0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. Ninety-one percent of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two
1: months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
0: My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to
2: give you some tips. On how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I have them in a Anthropologists and archaeologists estimate that man entered North America via a land bridge that once connected Alaska to Siberia about 12,500 years ago. And since this idea has become authority, the surplus of contradictory evidence has become marginalized, derided, and ignored. And that's just one paradigm being called into question, with more and more evidence suggesting that intelligent life, human or otherwise have populated this earth for potentially hundreds of millions of years. So welcome aboard on today's journey where Martin Eddington plays our guide as we journey backwards in time, exploring the strange realm of -of out-of-place artifacts here on Esoteric
0: America. Those 300 million years old, you're looking at the face mask of a being who lived then, And what could you say about that? It seems to be a legitimate object. It's one that I included in my theory of civilization going back to 300 million years ago, that some beings existed then who had faces that were much blunter, much larger features than we have today. There seems to be an ancient site called Garnashoria that consists of these huge Blocks of stone, maybe the largest blocks of stone in the world, and all sorts of right angles and doorway and shafts that are made of right angles. It seems to be something real. There's, there's even some carvings of stone there. They're obviously artificial, but nobody knows when that existed as a civilization. Nobody knows who created it. And nobody knows how old it was. It's just another big mystery. I think there have been multiple civilizations that have existed even in human history. And remember, a lot of the coastal cities were buried in the ocean due to melting of the glaciers. So if you go back 20,000 years, did some ancient technology exist back then? If you look at Indian stories, like the Ramayana, mm-hmm. books that go back tens of thousands of years, possibly. They talk about ancient technology. They talk about a war. It seems to talk about the explosion of the nuclear warhead and how people suffered from radioactivity and the power of a star. And they talk about flying objects called the magnets. Right. So there seems to have, they seem to be recording some ancient technology that existed way back when, and we don't see any signs of
2: All right, here we are, back again on Esoteric America. Roman and I holding down the fort. Tara and Chad will be back at some point, but Esoteric America is officially back. Roman and I, we're just so rearing and ready to go that we're like, let's get some guests, let's book some people,
1: let's Let's do this thing. And here we are. Esoteric America.
2: So we're not even going to spend a lot of time talking in this intro, we're just going to say... Tell your friends about Esoteric America. Go to the YouTube channel. My family thinks I'm crazy on YouTube. That's where they're going to be for the near future. Maybe that'll change at some point in time. Maybe we'll get our own Esoteric America YouTube channel. But we're back, and we're growing. And you're going to love today's guest, Marty Eddington. He's the author of over 150 books. He's lost count himself. Uh, he's written nearly a dozen books just on ancient history, and today we talk to him about his version 2 of the Encyclopedia of Out-of-Place Artifacts. He sort of based this episode around Rockwall, Texas, but this is a very loose episode of Esoteric America as far as the format goes. We will be going back to the original format at some point, but what do you think about that, Roman? Do you like the format? change do you think that we should do more interviews like this or should we have only talked about Rockwall, texas or, or texas that area because dallas is over there too we could have spent a whole episode talking about dallas i'm sure
1: well we've had fun in texas before we did a three-part episode series uh tris Mangista's series in texas on austin um no you know this is a great Four and parts. all puns intended foundation uh of esoteric American. I think that, you know, if you guys are interested in coming on the show, looking up research into your town, the histories and the mysteries of your town, you can use a lot of these resources that Martin has provided for you in his writings to find what you might, um, or, or to look for what you might find in your town. So this is a great show. You guys veer up, get ready. Martin is a prolific author, like Mark stated, and we had a great time talking to him. We go in on so many topics and so much ancient history in America that will blow your mind. So get ready, veer up, hit us up, Telegram, direct message, Instagram, YouTube comment, whatever it is you got to do to get a hold of us. We want to inspire you to look into your town. Come on, Esoteric America. We want to talk to you. Yeah, and
2: it's very simple. Esoteric America podcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to get in touch with us That's the surefire way That we'll see your message So yeah, just stick with that Although Roman said all that other stuff For now, just stick with that Eventually we will have An esoteric American Telegram and Substack And all that other good stuff But for now, we're getting the wheels greased We're putting the train back on the tracks Chad and Tara will be joining us again Hopefully for future episodes, and uh, yeah, enough enough talking shop. Let's get into this great interview with Martin Eddington. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are back again on Esoteric America. Roman and I are here with a fantastic guest who's joining us all the way from near Rockwall, Texas. And we're going to be talking about that along with many other very fascinating items here on Esoteric America. Roman, how are you today, man? Welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, brother. I'm doing great. Excited to talk about this very mysterious An intriguing underground wall that just has left archaeologists and geologists and even Scott Walter himself, you know, uh, uh, puzzled. So I'm very honored to speak with you again, Marty. We chatted with you on the Rising from the Ashes show um, when we were doing our Celtic and Druid month because you've written a vast amount of books, one of them including... Uh, history of druids and some of the celtic tribes so it's an honor to see you again sir you're looking great and dandy and i hope that life has been treating you fantastically
0: well thank you guys it's a pleasure being on again and i've got a interest in many diverse strange subjects and that's where my books come from if i find the topic interesting i like to think other people will too
2: absolutely i gotta ask before we really get into the details here. How many books do you have in total? It looks like far too many for me to count, right? Uh,
0: I don't know the exact number, but it's over 150. I really started back in 2000. I wrote a book about the scientific method and the paranormal and how you could adapt the scientific method to that. And then what really got me going was in 2008, I was interested in the subject of longevity and immortality, and I saw these articles of people who supposedly lived well over the age of 100. So I started researching that, and I found amazing records all over the world of people who lived 100 years, 120, 150, 200 years, and even a Chinaman named Lai Ching Young who lived to 256 years old As documented in the New York Times in, I think, 1932, so I wrote my first real book on the topic, Physical Immortality, History, and How-To Guide, and I found out I really just enjoy it. I enjoy writing. It's therapeutic to me, and I've also written some sci-fi, but about 90% of my books are what I call fact-based books on topics that most people don't like to go into or don't really discuss very often. Well, hence the title of our show,
2: Esoteric America. Yeah, we like to find what's been hidden, what's been ignored, what's been uh, left just waiting to be discovered. Mm -hmm. And what I love about your work is the encyclopedia of out-of-place artifacts. I don't know if anything else quite like this has ever been written, and I think it's awesome. So Thank you. how did you come around to deciding to make this encyclopedia?
0: Well, I started writing a couple of books on ancient history, and I wanted to document how far back in history humanity goes, and I covered a lot of archaeological sites. And as I was researching that, I started finding different objects that had been found that didn't make any sense, like the Baghdad battery, batteries made several thousand years ago when supposedly we didn't know anything about electricity, Mm -hmm. or the Antithikira mechanism from Greece found off the shore, which now has been documented Mm
1: -hmm. by many
0: scientists as to be one of the first, most complex uh, mechanical objects built a couple of thousand years ago. And then I found there were objects that were claimed to have been found in coal, like pots made of steel found in coal mines, which were 300 million years old. How is that possible? And you might call some of these anomalies, which are fakes and made up. But when you start finding lots and lots of these objects, and you just don't want to disregard them, you have to have a context for them. And what I've decided after researching all of these, which go back not only many thousands, but some of the many millions of years ago, is that they existed before humanity existed, and that they were therefore intelligently made by either one, alien, any alien race, or two, maybe some giants, maybe even uh Sauropods, maybe intelligent dinosaurs. We don't know, but they, the objects go back so far in history that they had to have been made by something. And if you think about it, if you find objects, say, in a coal mine or limestone strata that are hundreds of millions of years old, then you have to say that if there was a civilization on the Earth back then, it would have been totally destroyed over time through earthquakes, fires, all the ravages of time. Uh, I've seen some estimates of our civilization. If you just look 500 years or a thousand years in the future, and most of it would be destroyed. So what does ha- going to happen to something in, that's created many thousands or millions of years ago, you're not going to find anything unless it was protected in rock strata. That's the bottom line. So, it's become a passion of mine to study these OOPAs and try and come up with some conclusions about them. And one conclusion I made, which we could talk about a little later, is that there was probably a civilization at the 300 million year ago timeline. Mm. And so we can go on and talk about a lot of these objects, but it's a fascinating subject. And it's been mostly ignored by science. It Whoa. takes people who are open minded and not afraid to question the the standard understanding of these things to come to some conclusions and draw some patterns into them.
2: Right, right. And, you know, you're absolutely right. The, the average person looking at these subjects where these artifacts tend to be nestled in, they oftentimes scratch their heads and write it off as a hoax because... It just doesn't add up with their paradigm, and never do they throw out their paradigm. They always throw out their evidence. It's it's kind of astounding.
0: Exactly. I think what happens is most people find a comfortable box of how they understand the world, and they like to live inside that box. And anything that is outside that box, they reject. Right. And if you don't do that, if you open your mind up and still trying to think about the logic of things— that you really are exposed to an incredible world. Right. I've covered a lot of subjects, as you can tell from my books, and I've had a lot of weird experiences. So even though I'm an engineer, I've had a lot of paranormal experiences too. And all this has led me to conclude that science and engineering really knows very little about our world. And the more we learn, we the more we learn how mysterious it really is. Right. It's it's an unending subject of interest to me.
1: Might I ask you why you think that science and engineering itself as a whole, as an entity knows so little, as you say, is it, is it something that you found while working in the industry that might have been withholding it from expounding into these mysteries? Uh, Or is it just the fact that there's so much ground to cover and we have to work meticulously?
0: I think there's two reasons. One is the nature of the scientific method. Scientists claim that you can only believe something if it passes the tests of the scientific method, a hypothesis, and then tests to see if something is real, it's a real phenomena, and then to be repeatable. And so if you can't do that because some phenomena like the paranormal don't lend themselves well to the current scientific method, then you reject a lot of things. And the second reason, I think, is just people are closed-minded. If something appears which doesn't go along with current theories, people fight to ignore it. A good example recently, and I know I'm going off on other tangents, but these are all relevant, is that the James Webb Space Telescope has really drilled a lot of holes into the theory of the Big Bang because it's so sensitive that it's now found galaxies that were supposedly created in 300 million years after the Big Bang, but they're well-designed, well-large galaxies that really should have only existed after several billion years. So that says to you, our understanding of how the universe was created is missing something significant. Yeah. Either galaxy formation was a lot quicker than we thought, or these galaxies existed before the supposed Big Bang. So maybe there was an existing universe before the Big Bang. I don't know. But these are just things that science itself is turning up as anomalies in the theories we have. But if you looked at a lot of other things like the idea of, Giants or ancient architecture that goes back to before it's thought to be possible. This also leads to a lot of conclusions that are dangerous to the existing assumptions that archaeologists have. Right. Uh, w- one of those, just to go on for a second, if, have you heard of Gobekli Tepe in Eastern yeah, Turkey? Of course. of course. Of course. Well, that was discovered in ni- the 1990s and by a German archaeologist. And as they excavated it and did dating, they realized that it goes back 10 to 12,000 years. But the problem is, conventional archaeology says that nothing was created by man, no structures were created by man more than five or 6,000 years ago. But now it's overturned many decades of thinking in archaeology so that we know that back around the time that Man was just starting to establish agriculture. They were also building these stone buildings it's for probably religious purposes. It's been a radical uh, departure from previous
2: assumptions. Absolutely, and you know, it's it seems like we want things to conform to the way we see them unfold visually or in the three D realm. Like we see a seed grow into something big, like a tree. But what's not obvious in that relationship is all that information, that infinite information that's packed into that seed, you know mm-hmm. and I wonder if, you know, and this kind of skirts the line of creationism versus evolution. But I wonder if it's almost like, you know we as humans just we're still wrapping our head around this idea that things don't work in that linear way when it comes to, our place in the universe and how we got here. It wasn't this seed-to-tree relationship where we started off as this small little nothing and exploded into this big something. It seems more what the ooparts parts at least, are showing us is that there have been advanced civilizations, whether human or not, on the planet much longer than we've traditionally taken account for. And as you say, we're constantly finding megaliths that push that line back further as to when, you know, humans built the first, you know, stone structures. I think some of what we're going to talk about today, you know, reveals this as well with the rock wall in Texas, right? Yes. Yes. Well, let's get into the Upart encyclopedia because you have a really brilliant way of laying this out and correct me if I'm wrong, but the encyclopedia Unlike other encyclopedias that might be alphabetical, your encyclopedia is chronological, right? It goes from like yeah. the most recent, we can say, to the oldest. But yeah, I'm looking at some of the newer ones here or the more recent out of place artifacts, and a couple come stick out. You know, as I've heard of them before the Piri Reese map, Kensington runestone, even the Cambodian stegosaur. But I'm not familiar with the Tamil bell. Would you mind telling us about what's special or unique about the Tamil bell? Oh, yeah. Sure, let me go to
0: that one. So this is a bronze bell found in 1836 by a missionary in the northern region of New Zealand. And the thing is that it's supposedly 500 years old. And the thing is that supposedly it wasn't settled. The area wasn't settled until later. So it's a question about how it got there. And this is one of the lesser mysteries because it's not that old compared to some other things. But it's an interesting item, and that's why I added it to the collection. Well, and why I brought it up is because...
2: Recently, I learned about New Zealand's history, and maybe others are familiar with this story. I wasn't, but it turns out the Maori, as we know them today, have only been in New Zealand since about 900 AD. They've only been there for a relatively short amount of time, so it is kind of interesting to... Find artifacts like this in a place that, according to the mainstream, is very fresh. It's very undeveloped, right? The Maori got there only a couple hundred years ago. And when they did, they said that they witnessed white, red haired giants. Now, take that mm-hmm. for what it's worth. But, you know, some authors have speculated that might have been. Scandinavian seafarers, maybe even Polynesian seafarers from a much, much later time in history. But the fact that they're using bronze and implementing bronze in their, you know, metalwork is at least notes that they're advanced enough to know metallurgy, right?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of legends of fair-haired people all over the world, many giants too. That's a whole other area of study about ancient giants maybe ancient giants created some of these maybe they were spawn of aliens we don't know it's interesting new zealand also has some other ancient artifacts which are not that well known for instance in the northern island i believe there's a old rock wall which hasn't been dated but it might be thousands of years old and on the southern island on the beach area there are actual pyramids And the claims are the pyramids are natural structures. But if you look at the pyramids up close, and I recently did a whole book on pyramids too, I like to cover these subjects in depth, that you can tell that there was a earthen pyramid next to these other pyramids, which is very eroded. Anyway, it looks like there was some intelligent construction there, many hundreds if not thousands of years ago before mankind supposedly existed in New Zealand. So there's, it's one of the interesting sets of anomalies you find. Right, right.
2: And that whole part of the world is, you know, very recently being sorted through, right? So I think in the next hundred or so years, we might find even more stuff. I know there's an author named Carol N- is it last name starts with an N? But she recently put out a really great book about the lost cultures of Mu and how she mm-hmm. believes that there was once a continent in the Pacific and the diaspora spread out in a cent- you know, circular sort of pattern. And you see similarities with all of the cultures around the Pacific Rim. So, mm. yeah,
0: that's possible. And in fact, there's a recent news story that's going around about a pyramid in Java, Indonesia. Wow, called Gunung Padang, huh. that has been dated by archaeologists there to be like twenty nine thousand years old, but that's impossible because we don't know any pyramids older than some four or five thousand years old. So that obviously can't be. Oh. But that's the carbon dating they found when they did a dig into the base of the pyramid. Well, so and- just an- another anomaly.
2: And as you gather and collect in this really great encyclopedia of out-of-place artifacts, you know, tons <laughs> of things that just couldn't be according to our Darwinian materialistic model of, of reality. One great example of this that people might have seen on Ancient Aliens, I know they featured this on their show, the Cambodian Stegosaurus, which, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because some people try to say, oh, it's just it's just a hoax, but... They didn't really have paleontology when this thing was carved. I mean, it wasn't really a science until a couple hundred years ago.
0: I mean, well, how did they come up with that design? You have to ask yourself. Uh, So there's several possibilities. One, did they find the remains of a stegosaurus, which were good enough that they could draw the animal from that? Or was there some type of living stegosaurus in the jungles, which somebody saw and was able to incorporate into the carving? Or uh, they obviously couldn't just make it up from scratch and come up with something so clearly part of an ancient animal or design. So it opens up a lot of questions. Maybe the knowledge of the stegosaurus goes back much further than we think. Maybe the carving itself is a little, is a lot older than we think or Just the records about these things go back much further. Like, there were mambas around when humanity existed during the Ice Age, So, but this is obviously, it would be millions of years old. Where did that information come from? I don't know.
2: Well, it raises some really interesting questions. I think given your background in science and engineering, you might be able to field this next question. How much of these artifacts do you think can be accounted for maybe through the explanation of portals. I mean, stick with me here for a second, but what if, <laughs> you know, the circumstances were right and a stegosaur walked through some portal that opened up and that's how these Cambodians saw it in the jungle, you know, a sort of one-off mm-hmm.
0: mistake in the cosmic soup. Right. Well, you know, I didn't used to believe in portals. I, my degree was a BS in engineering, uh, covering nuclear engineering and physics, and so physics says those things don't exist. But <laughs> I was waiting I, for this. I was waiting for the, but I did some research on time and space. I did some research on the idea of time travel and on alternative dimensions. And I found a lot of time travel stories and I've got several I've got a category of books now about time and dimensions one of the stories, for instance, was a World War I fighter pilot in England who went 20 years into the future and in his plane, saw a futuristic airport before World War II, and came back to the area after World War One. Another are several people who've been to the Palace of Versailles in France, and they think they went back in time and they saw historic figures there in the 1800s. So there's a lot of anomalies that you find when you research this, which say to me, there is some type of time portal that exists in different places. Like there's a street in England where people are supposedly able to go back to the 1950s and come back now. There's several anomalies in this city. I'd have to look up the city again, but it makes you question, is time as linear and stable as we think? Or are there portals in that? Okay, so that's an interesting conclusion. What about dimensions? A lot of physicists now think that alternative dimensions exist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I did some research on that. I found a lot of stories of people who'd be driving along. One, One story I like is these girls were driving along in the desert, and suddenly the road becomes very irregular and they come across a drive-in restaurant where there's all these strange looking cars and they see these strange looking beings, which are not people. So they turn around to get out of there and they get back into the area they came from. Or people who've gone to on a drive and they've seen a place along the side of the road, which seemed to be out of 50, 75 years ago. And they went to the restaurant and they ate and the prices were old, and the food was old, and they could never find it again when they tried to. There's a lot of stories of people seeming to cross into dimensions, different dimensions. Typical ones are somebody remembers that things look like a certain way in their room, and they wake up one morning and find out the colors are different, the room is laid out differently, they go to school, and they find that there are different words and different slight history changes. And then, of course, we know about it because they came back and they went, probably went to sleep and woke up the next day back in our normal environment. So you question whether there is some type of dimensional shifting that could go on. So, like, I did a book about Sasquatch or Bigfoots, and I found that the research on them and the receivers and graphs so that there's been thousands of sightings in this country over the last century, literally thousands in almost every state. But when you try and track down where they are, there's a few pieces of evidence that they might have been living in the woods somewhere, but generally you can't find anything. So you say to yourself, were all these sightings fakes or were all these people having misinterpretations of the different visions? Or you could also add the idea, maybe these Bigfoot beings have some dimensional shifting capability. Maybe they came from another dimension and went back. Oh, another story. You talked about, uh, Roman, the interview we did before on the Druids. Well, the ancestors of the Druids are called the Tuatha de Dana, and they were supposedly gods who came to Earth. But one of the things they talk about a lot in Ireland it's from that history is the other world. And I've written about the other world. And the other world seems to be another dimension that they lived in and that they can go back to. And there are stories of people who've gone to the other world and came back. And even though they went to the other world for what they thought was only a few weeks or months, they came back and it was many years or decades. Right. So it says that maybe the, some of the other dimensions have time flowing at a different rate. And therefore, other dimensions might have different physical properties than ours. So you brought up, Mark, the idea of maybe this this dinosaur came from another dimension. It, I'd say that's a possibility. Again, I didn't used to believe in alternative dimensions and time travel through portals, but all my research says, yes, it really exists. Well,
2: now, on that note, and I'm so glad that we segued into that, the De Danin mm-hmm. came up because part of what I learned about the Tuatha De Danin is their burial mounds had a sort of gateway function to them, right? At least, right. so this was their sort of uh, entrance to the other world. And my thought when I initially brought up the portals is what if these megalithic structures, stone circles, or even burial mounds work as sort of anchors where they connect with that higher frequency and pull it into the pull it into the third dimension, mm-hmm. opening up interesting this. possibility. Well, and because you know you I find know these that. metal and stone artifacts in places where you know. And again, I like to think that anything's possible, but going along these conventional lines that we've been given, what if we don't need to change Darwin's theories and all this stuff? What if it's as simple as these artifacts can just port into our reality from another time frame, and that's what accounts for these anomalies? Again, uh, speculation, this isn't something that I've sort of clung well, it's to. it's a
0: possibility, but. and maybe it occasionally happens, although I tend to follow Occam's razor, which is the simplest explanation is the best one. And many of these objects are just found in situ in stone or coal or other things. where So they seem to have been there for many years. Right. So I think that's the most likely thing, but there's a lot of possibilities. May I jump in here on the
1: Taka portal before we jump out of it, just to touch on a story. I'm living in a sacred land on a sacred island on one of the most active volcanoes that exists uh, in the world. Right. And some of the newest Earth that is created, which is a very special thing to to witness new Earth being created is amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. So the ancient settlers of you know the Polynesians were master navigators. Right. They were connected to these gods from other stars. That is the mythos and the theologies of the Hawaiians. Now, there's very sacred places called heiaus here. And these heiaus, like you were talking about, Mark, are, um, <clears throat> yes, kind of like graveyards, these types of things. But the difference between a graveyard and Hawaiian religion, as opposed to a lot of like, you know, modern Western religion, what have you, is that you place very powerful people in very powerful places so that they can, what, transfer themselves and their spirits to these other realms and these other places Mm. and also thus lay their souls so they can transfer back and forth to be protectors. And if their spirit needs to take forth in an animal form, then so be it. And that's kind of what happens when you happen to stumble across some of these places. So there's this place called Polulu Valley up in the very Northern part of the Island. And I had a friend group of about 15 people go up there a few months ago. And these boys, paid mad respect because they grew up and they were born and raised here. And that's what you do. You pay respect to the land, to the ancestors, right? And they wanted to, which
0: Island are we talking? The big Island. Yeah.
1: Yep. Kalua Kona. Uh, They took off their shoes before they started venturing. Right. And this isn't a very important part of the practice, in my opinion, to ground yourself, to have no shoes. And so they take their shoes off. And like I said, it's about 15, 15 people, they're walking along. They're going uh, along the water, yada. Uh, one of the friends drops his, so be it, his vape. Okay, he's looking down for this pink cartridge. It's about this big. because That's how they make these toxic things nowadays. And <laughs> sorry to anybody who smokes vapes, you know. Uh, and so he drops it. He's looking around, finds it, looks back up. Everybody's gone. I mean, he was. It wasn't that long. Right, So now he's like, okay, I guess I got to catch back up with the group. He Walking never finds them. The group of 15 boys never really noticed that he's not there because, you know, it's 15 guys, right? They make it to the waterfall. They finally notice, where is our friend at? Well, the friend, the whole while, was trying to look for them, got off the beaten path, found himself in an ancient hay that none of them crossed when they were on the way. They all stayed along the same path. And he found himself there. He started hearing these noises, which the night marchers in Hawaii are known to bang on the drums, started hearing the pigs rustling, started hearing these animals and started getting like very nervous. So he started running, right, running. And then he made it to the waterfall. No one was there. They turned back. His shoes were still there. So they knew that he he was still he hadn't turned around or anything. And they waited for him. And he came out of the woods, scrambled, sweating in a hustle and tussle seconds before the sun finally set. He almost got stranded in the jungle in the dark, but he didn't. And he said what seemed like a little bit of time was a very long time. It was about an hour, right? And like that little bit of time of just switching potential dimensions when he bent down and bent over to come back up to find that he wasn't around his friends, they couldn't have gone more than 30 to 50 feet. I mean, it's just 15 guys. They're young guys. They're loud dudes, you know? And so it's interesting to think that, you know, that these places are, they are in our regular everyday path, but you know, maybe when you're wearing your shoes, when you're not like in tune with, with what's going on, there's certain ways to enact these portals if they exist. And I think that animals themselves have the vibrational rate, the ability to be able to be so grounded and connected to the earth and realm that they are able to kind of like, I think portals, if they exist, animals are very aware of these different, these different walls of reality because they are clearly on another level than we are as humans. And I think that's what kind of separates us from the animals as we are as a human race. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of my story with that. There that's is a great story.
0: About- I love it. And it's you. a good example of a typical dimensional transference story. And uh, I think it happens more often than we think. And most people will ignore it or think, well, I really didn't think about reality. I really wasn't remembering things properly i'll tell you another story if you don't mind about a strange probably dimensional shift a minor one this was really weird and i watch things around me pretty carefully i'm a pretty analytical observer so i had an apartment back in california i've now moved to texas It was in San Pedro, California, and I used to have a cleaning lady. My mom's cleaning lady would come over and clean my apartment every once in a while when it got too grungy. So she was supposed to come over one day, and my son was also staying with me, I should say. So I get up early, and I walk into the main room, and I see a strange cell phone. Okay, whose phone is that? Is it my son's? So I pick it up and I look at it, and it's got a particular picture on the screen, and held it all around. It was a real cell phone. Okay, put it down again. When my son gets up, I ask him, "Was your that your cell phone out in the family?" room? he said, "No, not me." And okay, whatever. Then um, I don't. I kind of ignore it. And later on that morning, the cleaning lady comes, and. I asked her, do you know whose phone this is? She says, it's my phone. I just put it down there. Remember, this is several hours later. I said, do you mind if I look at it? She said, okay. And I pick it up and look at it. It's the same darn phone. Same exact phone, same picture on it. I said, are you sure you just left it here? Yeah, I just put it down there. So how the heck did this phone exist several hours before she even got there. I haven't figured that out. Did it go through some type of time portal, or did (laughs) I, or was it another dimension which I was in? I don't know the answer to that. And Anyway, it led to a book I wrote about objects appearing from nowhere, which sometimes things do. By the way, I think my cleaning lady was so weirded out about this, she never came back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. but it's an interesting thing. Recently, I had something else happen to me. Tell us, Which you might just call a memory adoration. But it was strange enough that I noticed it. And what it was, my son and I were going to go see the movie Napoleon. And I made reservations to go see it. And it was to be, the time was to be at 1030 in the morning. And I remember it being 10.30, and I remember texting my son that we would go to a 10.30 show. So the next day, when I'm looking at it, it says the showtime is 10.45. And it looks at my text, and it says 10.45. And my son got up, and I asked him, so what time do you recall that we were going to go see the movie? He can't remember. And I said, What time do you think it was? Said I don't know. And said it was ten forty-five. Does that sound right? Yeah, it was ten forty-five. That's when it was. Now, I would have thought maybe my memory was bad, except I saw this time in more than one place, and then the time was changed later on. So did I have a slight dimensional shift? And I said this to my son. He he looks at me. He says, "Psychotic dad, (laughs) you're going nuts." (laughs) Well, so you're, anyway, you're, just, how, uh,
1: how many days ago is this? I'm curious cuz Napoleon's fresh out in the theater. So was this maybe 3 yeah, or 4 was, days ago?
0: This was when it came out just before Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, you'd had be- the
1: same exact thing happened to me the other day where I was absolutely positive, not last week when I had Completely messed up this entire interview where we're supposed to do it one week prior. (laughs) It was a different event where I had signed up the night before to go to a a class in the morning. And I I was absolutely 100% positive that it was 830 in the morning. And I was like, that's strange because they usually have classes at eight. I, Mm -hmm. you know, like I've gone to these eight o'clock classes and I signed up. I registered for the class. I did the thing. And then I get there at 815 to be 15 minutes early and then it was at eight. It was never at eight thirty. Right. And you know, I pride my I pride myself on uh on being early and being on time to these classes. And I never am late to a yoga class. And so I don't know. There's been a lot of solar flares lately. I think that like we as a living on a wonderful planet portal portal planet, you know, keep your eyes open to these things and let's take note. Mm-hmm. But let's yeah. get back to the
0: you parts. Well, just one more comment on this. You have. <laughs> Maybe these minor dimensional shifts happen to us all the time, but we ignore them and tell ourselves, oh, it was just, we just had an improper memory. Or maybe I just wasn't thinking, you know. So we try and ignore them and make like everything is normal. But maybe we actually have minor dimensional shifts a lot more often than we think. Anyway, enough said.
2: No, I think that's a great segue given this overall topic because, you know, a lot of people scratch their heads and come up with all sorts of explanations for how these artifacts came into being. And given that, you know... The physics on portals and this all, you know, dimensional shifts and whatnot is still undetermined. Maybe it'll take some time before we're certain, but it is an entertaining possibility, I think. But what really stands out with these out-of-place artifacts, and I think you do a great job of following up on each one and what the implications of each artifact are... One of the more compelling theories is what we touched on earlier, is that there was this great civilization at one point in history that is not accounted for accurately in today's understanding of history. Call it Atlantis. But you have this really interesting woman here, the Lady of Atlantis is her name. That's the one. It's like out of all of them, I was really... Let's talk Lady about her. her. It was yes. found in 1897 in Alicante, Spain.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a statue, that nobody, a head statue, that nobody really knows uh, where it came from or how old it is. And I think it's just because it's got such it's these very unusual cylinders. Uh, I don't know if you'd call them cylinders, but these circles on both sides of her head that make, I'm going to it in the book, they're sort of wonder. like wheels. Yeah, like wheels. I'm looking at my picture of it. Almost that, like um, spokes of a water wheel that you would see like pushing from? water. I mean, it doesn't look like anything out of any culture that we know about. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a good question. Where did it come from? How old is it? Nobody can really date it properly because it's stone. So, uh, you know, it could be something much older. Right. Nobody really knows. Right. It's and, one of those anomalies.
2: And I think a lot of what we find in North and South America m- might be understood within that realm of thinking where, you know, there was a once advanced ancient civilization that now for political, racial or other reason is being suppressed. Right. And, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not a wholesale suppression. Maybe it's more of a bias that's sort of evolved into suppression. But it's really interesting you know, because it's not just Atlantis. There are other potentially old world advanced civilizations that fell to cataclysm. And the next art or the next item in the encyclopedia here comes all the way from the other side of the world. Um, and that's this sort of uh would you call it a transistor? This item, it's like a bunch of stone with a sort of wire, copper wire kind of mm. stone coil. It's fused in the center. Uh, but this Which was, one are you
0: talking about?
2: Well, this was this is uh, 2.20, an ancient transformer, 20,000 years old, on the territory of Kosovo in the area of the Shar Planina mountain
0: range. Right, right. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of that now.
1: It's fascinating. It definitely looks like, oh, go ahead,
0: please. Well, I don't know what exactly what I would say, except it's something that doesn't look like it could have been made by historical humanity in ancient times. It's very strange. It does look like a transformer. We don't really know, but the date is also questionable. It's another one of these anomalies that should not exist. And uh, that's why I included it because it's been studied. It's been, X ray, there seem to be different pieces of it, like an elect- electrical spark plug or something. And that's another anomaly, by the way, a spark plug found in stone in California. But this one is also been studied and it seems to have been some type of uh, phased power struck like a transformer. Right. Should not exist. Should not exist at all.
2: These really interesting circular indents, evenly spaced, uh, and you have a uh, sort of schematic here comparing it to, I guess this would be like in a modern electrical circuit where you have the power source and then the ground and then neutral and the three phases of, of what the different gauges of power possibly, but... Yeah, it's very fascinating. And they, again, yeah, I think
0: there have been multiple civilizations that have existed even in human history. And remember, a lot of these coastal cities were buried in the ocean due to the melting of the glaciers. So if you go back 20,000 years, did some ancient technology exist back then? If you look at Indian stories, like the Ramayana, mm-hmm. books that go back, tens of thousands of years possibly, they talk about ancient technology. They talk about a war. It seems to talk about the explosion of the nuclear warhead and how people suffered from radioactivity and the power of a star. And they talk about flying objects called the magnets. Right. So there seems to have, they seem to be recording some ancient technology that existed way back when that we don't see any signs of today. Mm, mm. It's uh, it's probably in the realm of human history. I mean, humanity is considered 200,000 years old, modern Homo sapiens. But in that time period, there could have been multiple levels of civilization that existed that we don't know anything about. Oh, well, absolutely,
2: uh, yeah. And, and you mentioned the point earlier about how fast things decay, and what you know, what's left behind is really. Only stone. So something like this transformer that seems to be completely stone, um, you know, and there's some composite parts there built into it, but for the most part, it's stone. Uh, Mm. You know, things like that I would imagine be easier to find, but it really, I think it sheds light on what we as humanity used to think of as myth and superstition or spiritual allegory. And yes,
0: it, it, I think many myths about ancient races uh go back to something that existed originally. It was real right um for instance in in I think it's the Urals in Russia, there seems to be an ancient site called Garnetshoria that consists of these huge blocks of stone, maybe the largest blocks of stone in the world, and all sorts of right angles and doorways and shafts that are Made at right angles. It seems to be something real. There's there's even some carvings of stone there. They're obviously artificial, but nobody knows when that existed as a civilization. Nobody knows who created it. Nobody knows how old it was. It's just another big mystery. Yeah. And there's a lot of those still on Earth. I think the creation of the internet has made these things a lot more apparent because. As materials have gotten online, pictures and other information about these strange anomalies, now we can start to see patterns. So when we go into OOPAs, you'll notice there's a section in my book when I talk about a series of like 10 or 12 OOPAs from found within coal or limestone that seem to be about 300 million years old. So I thought, you know, pattern recognition. I like to do pattern recognition. Maybe there was a civilization that existed around that time. And the things I came up with was that they had the wheel, they had basic masks, and they had pottery and things like that. There's enough information from the objects found in that time period that we can conclude that some type of civilization probably existed back then. I mean, mechanical parts... A wheel in the wall of a coal mine, an iron pot from Oklahoma. Well, and, and mysterious and bells,
2: golden threads, bells. and I do want to get to that because we still are in the realm of the past five hundred thousand years. We haven't gone. Oh, I didn't mean to skip ahead. But- no, it's fine. I, I listen, Marty. You've done great work. We're following your lead Thank here. You. You, <laughs> we're following <laughs> your lead. So, but no, I just want to keep it on track for the audience, and I feel like we're building a picture here. And it doesn't necessarily relate to the format that we normally stick with Esoteric America, but I think this mm-hmm. is a great episode yes. for our listeners to put some ideas in their head to what to right. look for. Because we, you know, we encourage our audience to do their own research and join us on the show when they feel confident to present that research. So, but one thing that I've been learning about recently is this, you know, diffusionist kind of idea controversial idea you know it's it doesn't fit with darwinism and the darwinian evolution model but it's this idea that homo sapien evolved around these other groups of you know humanoid beings some large some small we still have groups of what are called pygmies living on the planet Mm -hmm. in, in certain jungles and you know certain um or i'm sorry recent DNA evidence has shown that these people might actually be more advanced in the sense that they've evolved to adapt to this jungle and departed long ago from the trajectory that we as homo sapiens are on. And one of your out of place artifacts that seems to kind of, I don't know, Lend into that theory that there are other races, smaller races of humanoids on the planet. Is this tiny artifact depicting a human figure found in 1889? These workers were drilling in southwest Idaho, they were drilling a water oh, well, yes. And they found this very tiny figurine like next, you put it next to a dime here, it's about the size of two dimes, you know, it's very tiny,
0: yes. So, so it was intelligently made. It's called the Nampa figurine, mm. and so somebody made it. And what it existed back then—I mean, if you look at the timing of it, it, you were talking about a couple million years ago. So we know there were predecessors of humanity that existed back then. Maybe they had the skills to carve something. You know, I've I need a recent discovery. I thought was pretty fascinating was at a waterfall in Africa, I forget what country, was it Zambia? In the water they found ancient pieces of wood which looked like they had been uh, modified and parts cut out of them for a structure and this wooden structure was almost half a million years old before modern humans existed. So you could Instead of us thinking everybody lived in the open or under piles of sticks or something like that, maybe they actually had wooden buildings back then. So the level of technology, the level of artistry that existed even in proto-humans was probably a lot greater than we think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it says to me again, we have a, we've only uncovered the surface right. of what civilizations and peoples really existed uh, before modern humanity absolutely
2: and you know just accounting for the human explanation you know i think really it's only one part of the recipe i think there's this whole you know you call it ultra terrestrial extraterrestrial what whatever your preferable you know understanding some people prefer that they come from other planets other theories say They've always been here or they're in the ground somewhere. They're mm-hmm. underwater, right? And when you find these just advanced technological artifacts that defy at least our understanding of where humanity was, what they were capable of uh, creating at, at these time periods, it makes you wonder, yeah, was there some sort of advanced group of others, whatever they are, gods or aliens Moving around on the planet, uh, you know, in full view or maybe in secret. I mean, again, yeah, that, I, that's I, a debate it's, too. It's
0: interesting because one subject leads me to another. Right. So when I started doing ancient archaeological sites, and the whole subject of ancient aliens came up, and this of course, this is been a lot of TV shows and a lot of documentaries on the subject. I wrote, I did research and wrote a number of books on aliens and UFOs. And to me, it seems like since, let's go back to what we know about our galaxy. We know our galaxy is billions of years old and has several hundred billion stars. And now we know from telescopes and space probes that most solar systems have planets. Most stars have planets. So you could start to draw out that making some other assumptions, maybe there are millions of intelligent civilizations in our galaxy and given the time frame that the galaxies existed, some of those are obviously billions of years old, maybe millions of years old, older than humanity. So they must have visited us in the far past. And they probably visit us today, but their level of technology is so high that they can hide themselves from us using their technology. I mean, we're just discovering how to use invisibility in our military right? and this technology has got to be very ancient. Well, that leads us to the
2: thought and the theory that's been expressed by many different folks and even in various religions and mythologies that this group of beings from other places, the stars, had a hand in creating humans or at least the modern what we are now. And one of the artifacts that might reflect that is this high-tech genetic Disc from about 6,000 years ago. What do you think of this? I mean, when you see certain artifacts like this that seem to portray a very advanced level of something like genetics, do you think it lends credit to those theories that, you know, these aliens or these other beings had a hand in creating modern Homo sapien?
0: I think it's a definite possibility. I mean, there are some writers who claim that Nibiru, the ancient. People from the Bible and earlier were creations of the gods, and we're just learning about modern genetics and how to modify it. And as you take the knowledge of that going forward, maybe 500 years, even 1,000 years, which is not that far in terms of how all these races may be, yeah, you could certainly create an intelligent race, and you could populate a planet with it. Maybe they did it because they wanted us to mine precious metals or something. I don't know, but uh, it's possible. It's, again, most anthropologists would say not likely because they find a lot of human ancestors and we're just one of the most recent of those. But it's definitely possible. Uh, There's evidence of ancient giants. Where did those come from? Were those created by aliens? I don't know. Uh, It's a question yeah. But more and more from all the research I've done, I believe that aliens have visited this planet not only in the recent past but the far past. And they exist, they've come to this planet today but keep hidden from us. As you know, there's been a lot of revelations lately in the US Congress that many pieces of technology and evidence about aliens and UFOs have existed and they kept secret. Over many decades, so I think it's all part of the, the matrix of possibilities. I just think you have to look at what's the best explanation
2: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely no, I think it's, it's something that we contemplate a lot on my show. My family thinks I'm crazy, and mm-hmm. Roman's show rising from the ashes and with esoteric America, you know we like to focus on America and uncovering this hidden layer of story that's right underneath the precipice of American history. And, you know, whether ancient or not, aliens certainly, you know, showed up on the world stage here in America in a pretty big way with Roswell and the media and the movies. Mm -hmm. And America played a big role in popularizing this whole concept, which I'm sure makes you wonder, makes me wonder if there's something about North and South America that uh you know just inherently gets people thinking about these beings and maybe they're more common here than in other parts of the world but but we are talking about America in this show so I want to you have so many great artifacts in this encyclopedia we can't talk about all of them so I want to <laughs> I want to skip towards some of the ones that are more American centric we did just mention the Idaho Finding that little right. clay figure. And that was, what, two million years old? Two million years ago. Wow. Okay. So, and I'm going now even further. So here's the Guadalupe woman, 28 million years old. What can we learn about the Guadalupe woman? Now, this is in the Caribbean islands, but uh, uh, definitely a part of the esoteric landmass. Yeah. Yeah. What number is that again? That's 3.8. Chapter three, section eight, page eighty
0: seven. Estimated to be twenty-eight million years old, and it was in the British Museum for many years. So how does a person how can you find a person that's that old in limestone? It doesn't make any sense. Right. And uh, but it's an it's a real artifact. Right. So did this woman really exist back then? Uh, or was it a human ancestor
2: and how often are human remains like this found in something like limestone i imagine that's not common is it
0: not for human remains although there's been other animals found like people have chopped up rocks and found a living frog in a uh, in the cavity in the rock mm doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that on the show.
2: There's even a more sensational story of some miners cracking open a geode and a a pterosaur flew out of it. (laughs) So, or pterodactyl.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of these things, again, should not exist. But uh, you have to accept that unless people are making things up, and they usually don't. People usually report and remember things that they've actually seen. Well, in this case, I
2: don't imagine it'd be an easy feat to fake something like this in 1812 when it was discovered. At the time, it was, you know, proof of the flood. That's how it was displayed at the British Museum, which is a very interesting... It seems to be too old for that. Okay. Now, there have been other cataclysms prior to that have taken place in this part of the world. Could it be... Related to another cataclysm, maybe who knows? I mean, twenty-eight million years ago.
0: I try and report these things, not draw conclusions, because we don't know enough to draw the conclusions. Right. But that's a really weird one because modern humanity was not supposed to have existed back then, not at all. So, you, you may you might find giants back then. For instance, there we know there were wheel ruts of some type of carts that existed back then. Mm. And there's footprints from giants that we found that are that older. But how does a woman who seems to be a modern Homo sapien exist that long ago? Even the oldest skeletons that paleontologists have found of proto-humans are only a few million years old. Right, But 28 million years? I mean, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Well, and... <laughs> Might
2: not be so ridiculous when we start to get to some of these much older artifacts. We go to -hmm. California now where Mr. John Neal, superintendent of the Montezuma Tunnel Company, was building a tunnel through Table Mountain in, is that Tulum County, California? The tunnel was running through gravel sealed by lava, and they found this mortar and pestle, which is... yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a weird one. From 1877. How can a mortar and pestle exist that is many millions of years old? It says 33 to 55 million years old. Right. Uh, Okay. So what can you conclude? You can only conclude that some type of civilization existed then. Humans or proto-humans or something that existed before humans. They obviously wanted to grind grain or something similar. Maybe they were making bread, and they made this mortar and pestle. Somebody made it, or some being made it. I mean, it's a common tool. You would figure that if you're going to have any growth of civilization, eventually somebody's going to invent the mortar and pestle. (laughs) Now,
2: who did it, we don't know. And Mr. Neal, he approached the local tribe in the area and they responded in a very interesting way. They seemed to be superstitious about the objects, refused to touch them.
0: Yeah, because modern tribes of Indians originated only uh, not even, I don't know if it was even a couple thousand years ago when they came across the land bridge during the last ice age. Some of them might be older, but the age of objects like this is way beyond anything that the American Indians would know anything about.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, millions and millions of years ago, they would be ancestors to all of us, not just one group of people at that point. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and I mean, the list goes on and on here. Um, I mean, we got some from Austria here. California and the Southwest seem to be a hot spot mm-hmm. for this sort of thing. Does that ring true with you, your findings?
0: Well, I do know, and this is more of a conventional paleontologist, but uh, the famous paleontologist uh, Leakey, I forget his first name, who found some of the oldest human skeletons in Africa later on, there's a place out in the desert in California, which is a, an archaeological site now, or he claimed that humans existed there 130,000 years ago. And that's much older than most paleontologists would believe that humanity existed in the New World. Many would say humanity just arose at that point. But, yeah, he says there are there were signs of human civilization even that far back. Robert Leakey, I think, was his name.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, I, go ahead, Roman. I was say, I don't want to verge too far out of American soil because that's what we are specifically talking about. But there's these two artifacts that are straight out of Russia that are specifically more of, of the mechanical, ancient mechanical and higher textual uh, pieces. Like we have here the microchip found in stone that's dated back to 200 25 million years old and then the ancient Mm -hmm. mechanical objects which are dated to 400 million years old both found in the russian region right Um, and what i've found in years of doing some research is that when we are able to find things that the russians are want letting us know it's only because they're letting us know they actually hold things very high and tight to their To their people. Uh, But I find that fascinating because it's kind of like you find certain things in certain parts of the world that are more associated with each other as opposed to them being like sporadic and random. And it's really interesting to find these two like senses of like higher technology found in stone that have to do specifically with, in this sense, like uh, mechanical parts. And uh, like a microchip found starlight that's mind blowing in these tiny little gears dating back to 400 million years old. And what I've discovered is like Russian scientists have always kind of been ahead of the game comparatively to here in the West. So that's kind of weird and interesting, too, on its own.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, think about Russia, the whole largest, the largest country in the world. This, yeah, a lot of it is Arctic conditions. So not many people live in many parts of the country. And there's many sites that have been found there and artifacts that have been found because modern humanities really never explored a lot of that country. And they found a lot of things that, again, lend credence to the idea that highly technological civilizations existed before known prehistory. And it's just amazing. Yeah. There's an area near, there's an area in northern Siberia where there's these columns. And I'm trying to remember the name of the columns. I've got them in one of my books, a picture of them. But they're columns of rock. And if you look, at, somebody looked in the delta near the outlet of a river near there, and they found structures underground in the delta using different radar techniques. And you start to ask yourself, was there some type of city or something here? And when you look at these columns of stone, you can almost say to yourself, were these some types of fossilized towers in a city way back when? I don't know. But again, it's an area that not many people go to. So there's a lot of anomalies that exist yeah. there.
2: One thing that I found really interesting when looking into that whole region is the similarity between uh, the megaliths that are found, uh, what some geologists call glacial erratics, and the similarity between those in Russia and the ones in North America, uh, mm. You know, which kind of brings us back to... The rock wall, which I do want to talk about at some point, although that is <laughs> very old compared to uh, what we've talked about so far, right? It's still older than everything we've talked right. about Let so Right. Let me mention
0: another site in the U.S. Go ahead. Before we get to that, up in near Helena, Montana,
1: hmm.
0: there are ancient stone walls and there's a dolman called the uh, Kaiser Dolman. It's the tallest dolmen. It's got Two very vertical pieces of stone with a stone cap. Was a Heiser or Kaiser? Kaiser, with a T, Kaiser dolmen. And that nearby, within a mile or two, there's an ancient parallel stone walls, which definitely seem to have been billet. I mean, you can see the stonework, but it's very ancient stonework. And I talked to one woman who's uh, really made the area well known. Mm. And she claimed it goes back 70,000 years. Now, an interesting thing about that part of Montana, if you look at the extent of the Laurentian ice shield in the last ice age, there was a gap between the ice shields coming out of Alaska that comes down into that part of Montana. And we know that emigrations of people came either along the coast or through this corridor. So maybe possibly this area was something that was built as kind of a welcoming site or civilization for people coming over from Asia way back then. It's, there's still a lot to explore there. I hope to get up there one of these days. But there's some videos on YouTube about people who've explored uh, some of these objects. So there's a really ancient site that most people don't know about. In fact, the directions on how to get there were help kept pretty close until this one guy ex- exposed exposed it on his, his YouTube videos. Yeah and I'm trying to remember the name it's Sage Wall. It's called the Sage Wall. S-A-G-E. That reminds me videos about that too. That reminds mm. me of a site
2: that they found in the, the Teton Mountains. And on top of one of the mountains in the Teton range there's this what looks like a petrified temple or vitrified is sometimes the term they use. And it's like these very long sort of standing stone-like stones, but they've all been sort of almost fanned out. Like at one point they were standing, and then at some point like a force pushed them all away
0: from each other in a circle. Yeah, if you have any pictures of that, I'd love to see it. Because I haven't heard of that one yet. Yeah, what's the name of that, brother? I'm going to have to
2: man montana refresh my memory is... banks here because <laughs> i don't really I'm remember getting... where i learned about that from but once i once it clicks i'll bring it back up just
0: give
1: I'm, me a moment. i'm getting anyway. lost in the montana realm over here i just googled <laughs> montana megaliths and they're yeah there's a lot loaded
0: yeah that's wow. the same that same woman she's put all those sites together mm. anyway we want to talk about rock wall right can we can we
1: maybe give a little? Uh, sorry, Mark, were you gonna? Really yeah, go on a we don't need to. Here? We don't need to rush. We,
2: you know, as long as you have time, Marty, because there are a couple yeah. of other um, sites in the United States or in the Americas that are younger, we'll say, than the Rock Wall that we can talk about. Um, Okay. Yeah, the next one that I wanted to get into was the Dorchester vase or cup. Right? This is. Is it a? A, a vase, a bell a cup it kind of looks like all that's
0: like a
1: bell
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> what's the number on that one
2: uh, the Dorchester I'm trying to scroll to find it it's it's old it, it's older than the one we just talked about so there, I found it yeah. okay it's 3.16 okay
0: Yes found in 1852 during rock blasting in Massachusetts right Now some people claim this is the same type of cup that you can find in India. So there's some possibility that it's fake. But this was published in Scientific American in 1952, or 1852, excuse me, a Mm. relic of a bygone age. So it was pretty well known even then. And uh, it's very, some people say it's identical to an Indian pipe holder, which is almost identical to the Dorchester vessel. So is it a fake? Maybe. But uh, it's also very intricate. And the conditions in which it was found led to some articles about it at the time.
2: Well, we know that we know that the, you know, Native Americans prior to Columbus were trading as far and wide as the East Coast to the West Coast and South America to the Great Lakes. And there's now new discoveries showing that there's some connections to Polynesian culture. So who knows? This was
0: found in rock. This was blasted out of rock. Right. That's, They're probably not
2: local Indians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. But it is millions and millions of years ago
1: before all that. Good point.
0: Ancient was, Indians. Yeah. I, w- I will touch <laughs> on
1: it really quick, if I may. Go just just this, the pure look of it and how it's built. To touch on, I love Indian culture. I love the Vedic culture. I think there's a lot of ancient truths to be held in these texts that are symbolic stories mm-hmm. that are told in beautiful allegories. and Like you can meet, uh, read the Bhagavad Gita time and time again, and just, it's it's beautiful, right? So anyways, the shape of the bell, that bell-like shape is sacred shape. It is a geometrical phenomenon that held something of a higher frequency, potentially dimensional shifting, um, and the use of bells and spiritual practice in ancient times is pr- very prominent and it held high spiritual value. Um, and the fact that this is shaped like a bell and they call it a pipe holder might be also veiling the fact that it could have been used as a resonance tool. Um, and these resonance tools are something that could also be of use for, what we are talking about earlier, dimensional travel. And mm-hmm. the shape of a Vimana was also in the sense of the shape of a bell. You also have the good old, uh, i hate to bring it up but the nazi bell right Is saying that was being created oh yeah he uh, made as a uh, as an ancient um indian relic too. this electromagnetic anti-gravitic type of machine and so the fact that this is found in pennsylvania in rock blasted out is fascinating massachusetts massachusetts Massachusetts. my apologies that's all right and well, so i just wanted to touch on theories that
0: theories there i'm not going to say they're right or wrong. I think there's some interesting theories and we need more theories about how some of these things can exist. Right. Well, and you
2: know, again, we're not trying to
0: uh, draw any
2: conclusions here. I think Roman and I just get excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Roman and and I just get
1: most of (laughs) them. To be
0: fair, maybe this is an object that was totally fake. Maybe somebody went to India and found this bell and put it somehow into the rock. Well, it was found. So, at yes, the, that's a conventional explanation of maybe it was totally fake. Maybe some of these OPAs are totally fake. if you take them as a green, you can't say that. No,
2: I agree with you 100%. And uh, as a New Englander, uh, I know full well that back then there were tons of people who lived in New England that were seafarers. They were going to India and places like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's possible that the artifact could have made it, you know, by way of ocean. But I doubt it, given... Especially given the older, similar objects that have also been found in stone. And we're going to talk about right. that. But as we're here on the East Coast, there's another East Coast artifact, the iron mask of a face. Now, it just says that this was found in a coal mining area of Appalachia. So I would imagine that's probably in the central, mid, you know, south area of the Appalachia. But. Any thoughts on this cuz this is a really interesting mm-hmm. kind of artifact yeah, you have because the,
0: the number for that I think 4.1 4.
2: and why I wanted to touch on it is cuz you know something like a mask of a face can tell us a lot about the people who made this mask right I mean we can imagine they're yes. reflecting If you their, believe their own that image. this
0: is a real object and that it's 300 million, million years old you're looking at the face mask of a being who lived then. And what could you say about that? That the features are much blunter than a modern human. Right. I mean, it doesn't look like a modern human face because Mm -hmm. the eyebrows are blunt. The nose is big. The lips are blunt. So, but it was some being that existed back then and that the mask was made of. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's the only one I've seen that would indicate what type of being actually existed at that time. Right. It's It seems to be a legitimate object and it's one that i included in my theory of civilization going back to 300 million years ago that some beings existed then who had faces that were much blunter much larger features than we have today Mm. it's it's really fascinating
1: do we know the dimensions of this at all it's kind of hard to tell just from the picture
0: no let's see i don't know does it state the dimensions on there
1: it doesn't Maybe I can do some further digging, though.
0: Does it have a ruler in the photo of
2: it? Does it have any scale in the photo? No. No? Okay. I mean, I suppose
0: it could do more research. Maybe we'd find out more. Yeah.
2: Well, I imagine it says it's a large, heavy object, so I imagine it's probably large enough to fit over the average
1: (laughs) person's face, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm wondering if it's bigger. That's my only thing. I'm like, oh, if it's... yeah. Yeah.
2: Roman and I were just mentioning this uh, iron pot in Oklahoma because that seems to be next chronologically here and fits into our theme. And also it's just mind boggling. We you touched on, you know, things being found in coal before, but are, are there anything is there anything unique about the iron pot? From Oklahoma, compared to. Sorry, give me the
0: number of that, if you would. Yeah, that's
2: 4.6. It's 312 okay. million years old. 4.5,
0: 4.6. Oh, yeah. This is one you see in a lot of articles, in a lot of documentaries, because it's so well documented. It's uh, was found in coal. There were affidavits written. You can see some pictures of that also. And let's see what when was it found? It was found uh, in 1891, so it's been around a while. And I've seen some pictures of people holding it. It's not a big pot; it's only um no. four or five inches across. With something like an iron pot, you know, we
2: understand metallurgy. We understand how things, you know, can be shaped like this. How do how do? How does the process of dating something like this begin? Because you said this is well documented. So, I mean, for the laymen and people like me who are well
0: documented in terms of the strata they found it in. Okay, and that because it was strata that began that came from three hundred and sixty to two hundred ninety million years ago. Right. So that's a layer on it.
2: They it's a layer in the earth, and they measure the distance of it, the depth of it, and determine its age. Right. In fact,
0: they last sentence I had here was the Wilburton coal mine is about 312 million years old, according to Robert O'Fave of the Oklahoma geological survey. Right. So, wow. Yeah. Now can Again, something, something from a civil a time that is so long ago that everything that existed for that civilization is gone.
2: Yeah. Now something like iron is there any way to date it itself? Because we know iron, you know, it does r- corrode over yeah, there
0: time. Yeah, uh, there are some radioactive dating techniques that can be used, but I don't know if they can be used for iron. Okay, interesting. Uh, for, for other things. Yeah. So I think they're going mainly by the age of the strata.
2: Yeah, I wonder if there's like a, a metallurgic way to understand it, you know, from that point of view. Uh, but
0: I don't know. Maybe... We'd have to get a specialist to, to answer that.
2: No, yeah, but it's nonetheless fascinating. And, and, yeah, you know, finding these things just, like, encased in coal, I mean, it boggles the mind how this is even possible.
0: Yeah, but, if you think about it, coal or limestone wouldn't protect things like this right. over a very long period of time, whereas anything on the surface or even close to the surface would be destroyed or long gone from natural processes of erosion.
2: Now, would it take something like a, you know, major or, you know, rapid cataclysmic event to put something like this in coal? Or or would it be as simple as this thing falling on the ground and being sort of covered in sediment and then, you know, kind of getting embedded in coal through some sort of geologic yeah, force. I don't
0: think a major catastrophe would do it. I think it would have to be embedded over time. Okay. So, so say that the pot fell into a pond and there was lots of branches and other vegetation there, and over the years it got covered and turned into coal over millions of years. That would seem to be okay. the way it would get in there. right? Okay. I don't think a major catastrophe would create something like that yeah there's even a picture showing the piece of rock it came out of right so you know it was in there
2: right and you know just to be clear I'm ignorant as to how coal is formed and maybe I should ask I should learn that before I ask (laughs) but the reason I ask is because you know the flood comes up and a lot of people currently online uh, are very interested in this mud flood idea that there was at one mm. point a flood of, of, mm. of sediment that submerged tons of evidence for a prior civilization. But we're maybe well beyond a flood, that.
0: Maybe a flood hundreds of millions of years ago, right. but not the flood that humanity recalls. I think there was one or multiple ones, but it, they must have been different floods. Right Because well, these processes to make coal take a very long time,
1: right, and liquefaction,
0: and for our next
2: artifact here, four point seven, you do comment on the Genesis flutter you quote from it, why is that? What is this mysterious bell um how does it connect to so, you know, any sort of religion. Is it the design on the bell itself that would lead someone to think that it has a sort of, uh, a greater maybe historical. Similarity? Yeah, Maybe
0: because it seems to have kind of a devil built into the, into part of the bell. Oh, wow. A shape which looks like ancient evil on the bell itself. Huh. So maybe there was some relation to ancient beings from that. And uh, I don't know, it could be. Well, oftentimes we have
2: place names and even, you know, uh, certain sacred sites that become named, you know, the devil's this and the devil's that due to the Christian, you know, uh, interpreters that name these places. And yeah, I wonder if some of their thoughts are, are true in some case where the devil can like a golden bell, a cursed bell, pure mm-hmm. stone. You know, it reminds me of some
0: <laughs> objects from the movie The Exorcist. If you ever looked at the mm. beginning of the movie, where there's this guy excavating an ancient site and finds these devil-shaped objects in the ancient site, kind of looks a little like that.
1: Interesting,
0: uh, huh?
2: And this bell again is millions of years old, or at least the strata it's found in. So, yeah, I mean, this is again, this is something that really makes you question the true history of humanity. But let's get into the Rockwell, because I know we don't have that much time. And uh, I imagine it's significant to you, given it's somewhere it's somewhat close to you, right?
0: Yes. I mean, I had read about this and seen some pictures of this before when I was living in Los Angeles, where I lived for many years. But I moved out here to the Dallas area, to Denton, a city just north of Dallas, a year ago, and I knew that rock wall was in the area. And I was surprised when I looked it up on a map to see it's really actually a suburban area of northeast Dallas now. And it was about an hour's drive for me. So I took a ride over there one day to the museum. They have a nice museum. And they've got a lot of documentation about this ancient rock wall. And the whole story of the rock wall is that in 1852 it was discovered when a well was being dug and portions of the wall were exposed and they've since found six or seven different outcroppings in the area. In fact, there's even a map that's been drawn that shows that the perimeter of the wall may have been miles in length and kind of a rectangular shape. And so it's not just one outcropping, it's many. And they had a portion of the wall at the museum which they had moved there next to the museum. And I looked at that, and I took some pictures from my book. And when you look at the stones up close, and I was able to touch them and look at the size, they're about a foot in on the size and the width and thickness and several feet long. And they're obviously stones that were intelligently altered, that were carved or were, that were broken apart from an original stone. It's not anything natural at all. If this is a real section of the wall, it's totally artificial. And when you look at other pictures of the sites that they've excavated, you can see that the strata also shows these rectangular stones that are in the wall. And got, there's multiple pictures in my book on that topic about this. Some of the strata can almost look like it's natural, though, because it's so windy. It's okay. You say looks so much like a ancient wall that maybe is put together by somebody or something, but uh, it's definitely artificial. I'll say that much from what I've looked at and the pictures I've seen. Definitely artificial. There's yeah. a lot of pictures in my book. I won't say I took them all. Some of them are from existing sources. Right. But there's pictures of people standing next to excavations of the wall. Now, one of the problems I have with the show that Scott Walter did about the wall was he tried to date the stone itself and said the stone was, like I don't know, 50 million years old, and therefore it couldn't be real. But that's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to date the stone. You're trying to date when the wall was constructed. And nobody really knows when the wall was constructed, but his measurement didn't really help. Right. So you look at the context of it. You look at the outcroppings that are all over the place, miles apart. You look at claims that were found of metal rings and other things found in the wall or possible windows, steps, uh, lots of different things that say the wall is real. Then you have to ask who constructed it because... It's underground. I think you have to dig down feet, maybe 10 feet or more to get to the top of the wall. And excavations have shown it's at least 25, 30 feet deep. So the thing was obviously put in many thousands of years ago. Was it many thousands of years before humanity? Or I don't know. I mean, you could look at like the Tower of Jericho that we know is like ten or twelve thousand years ago and excavations done there, and that is possibly in a similar time frame. Uh, no but nobody really has any good dating of this wall. I just know it exists. And I've seen pieces of it which convinced me it was not a natural artifact, that it was built by someone. Right. Mm-hmm. So my best guess, because there's even claims that giants built it maybe, that it existed at least 10,000, maybe twelve, fifteen thousand 15,000 years ago, that it was part of a civilization that existed back then, the wall of a city most likely, but we've lost all that information. We've lost all those other ruins. There's probably a lot more there to find, but nobody's done a serious excavation uh, of the whole thing.
2: And what was their initial finding with the rock wall, the people who initially discovered it, that they... Have any thought on what it meant? I mean, this when was it discovered?
0: Again, it was discovered in 1852, so it's been right. a long time. Right. And the, some people thought it was artificial. Other people thought it was natural. I believe it was about 1900 when a scientist said that it was a natural construction. I'm looking for the date here. Hmm. In 1901, a Dr. Robert Hill, a Texas geologist, publishes an article about the rock wall and classifies it as plastic sand dikes. In other words, this guy thought it was a natural phenomenon. Hmm. Uh, but it's gone back and forth over time by different people who've looked at it, who have different opinions about it being artificial or real. But I'd say the majority of the pictures you look at of the excavations show that it's too regular. The stones are too regular to have been made naturally and it has to had to have been made intelligently. Right. But I'll tell you most people in this area, even who live in Rockwell, don't know anything about the wall. <laughs> it's it's become it's part of the name of the city. It created the name of the city of Rockwall. But that's all most people know about it.
2: I find the same is true up here where I live. There are Dozens and dozens of examples of stone walls, right, in people's front yards and, uh, you know, in the public areas, private areas, all across New England there, these stone walls. And, you know, there's the conventional explanation that the settlers, the colonists, the Puritans, they built them all. But the more I looked into this subject and, you know, added to my own observations of seeing them in places that didn't quite add up to that conventional story of, oh, they were only built by farmers, I've learned that, yes, the Native Americans indeed did build these stone walls up here in this part of the country and maybe that's a continuation of something they observed going on that carried on from this ancient time when the uh, the Texas rock wall was built. Cause
0: yeah, you've got some interesting structures up there in New England that some people think were built by Europeans. Right before Columbus, who discovered the New World and built some of those walls and structures. I think there's even some dolmens up there. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of constructions up there that there's not easy explanations for. And And again, like many of these things, when people can't come up with an explanation, they just ignore it. I hope the anomaly goes away. Well,
2: yeah, and also, unlike the west of the United States, this part of the world has been officially settled for almost 400 years so a lot of the older stuff is completely wiped out by the original you know group of people that came here things like shell mounds that used to be all over the east coast Mm -hmm. things like these stone chambers that were repurposed as root cellars by the farmers and then when the farms left the root cellars were either left or destroyed so yeah there's tons of examples and a lot of those cellars were stone chambers built astronomically and aligned to the stars, right? So, you know, it definitely hints at this larger picture of what may have occurred in, the, in America and beyond. And that's part of why I love this book so much. I mean, it, it yeah, really I, I touches know that on in it. In the St.
0: Louis area, there were some ancient mounds built by Indians mm-hmm. that were totally destroyed in the construction of the city. And we do have some mound civilizations. I think Cahokia, is in yeah, pyramidal mound in mm-hmm. Ohio, where they've got some. They preserve some of these
2: structures. Right, right, yeah. There's there's dozens of, of things that have been kind of ignored, you know. And I feel like these out of place artifacts fit into this greater picture uh, that the mounds fit into, and all these other sort of. Uh, things that don't quite fit into the academic view of the world. And again, you do a great job of of laying it out for people. You know, out-of-place artifacts, it's a topic that you see commented on here and there. But I personally, until Roman introduced me to your work, I had never seen someone take a real good comprehensive whack at it. And I really appreciate you for
1: that. Let
0: me ask your opinion before you read the book. Would you assume that many of these artifacts were just Fakes or one-offs. What was your assumption before that? Well, I, yeah, I might have been your uh, <laughs> demographic
2: because I've always been interested <laughs> in this stuff. So I okay. like, I liked it for already. But no, you definitely, you convinced me in the sense that before reading your book, I had thought it was only maybe a handful of cases, whereas it's mm-hmm. actually dozens upon dozens and possibly even more that are yet to be discovered. So yeah. And things that people have seen on like ancient aliens that we didn't touch on today, like the Dendera lights and the Antikythera machine. And you know, there's the Baghdad battery. I mean, there's so many artifacts that, you know, and, and I end up sounding like a conspiracy theorist and I am, and I don't know necessarily that you consider yourself one Marty, but it does feel like a, a concerted effort has gone to keep this stuff out of the paradigm. And maybe that's just, you know, social, psychological explanations. People are comfortable with their worldview. People are comfortable with their paycheck, and they don't want to rock the boat. But I I have to wonder... I think
0: that's more likely that people just try to ignore anomalies and say they're not real or they're fakes because it's the easiest thing to do rather than taking a clear look at something and saying no, this is real. How do we find an explanation for it? Another thing you might conclude from my study of these OOPAs is that there's a lot more civilizations and a lot more unknown technology out there that we don't know anything about. So maybe we should start looking for it. Maybe we should start searching harder to find some of these things that these are individual examples of because, it's likely that some of those things really exist. That we just are seeing individual pieces of a whole.
2: All right. Now, let me ask you this. You joined us today to talk about this very particular subject, but you've covered so many different topics in your work. I mean you it's Roman uh, introduced mm-hmm. me to several of your books, and yeah, you really run the gamut. What would you say your most popular topic is as far as your audience goes? Well,
0: I think the ancient archaeology books are the biggest seller, and probably up there with that are aliens and UFOs. But I also got, get a lot of interest in the paranormal because I started writing paranormal books with, when I had a lot of experiences of prophecies in my life. Wow. And that's also one of the factors that got me really... Interested in writing about it because, as an engineer, yet experiencing a lot of these prophecies or premonitions and knowing that they really happened, that was something that I just wanted to explore and write about. Yeah. So, but you know, these things are all linked together. The more I've researched, the more I've written, the more experiences I've had, the more I've concluded that we really know just a tiny little bit about the world we live in. Mm. We think we're knowledgeable. We think we're sophisticated. But there are so many things we know nothing about. And we need to keep an open mind as to what's really possible in our world. Because there's a lot more possible than we think about. We haven't even gotten into the whole area of the spiritual or paranormal. And that's something I like to write about, too. But I believe we are naturally spiritual beings I don't subscribe to any particular religion right now, even though I was raised Christian. And I think that there are many planes of existence that our consciousness has existed on and connects with uh, in terms of other spiritual beings or other states of existence. And there's just so much unknown. Uh, One of the scientific statistics that really fascinates me is astronomers have determined based on recent data about our universe, that there are at least 2 trillion galaxies out there. Think about that. 2 trillion, not billion, but trillion. And our individual galaxy has several hundred billion stars. So if you think about that and the size of the universe, there is just so much out there that even our long-term descendants will not have learned about the universe but there's a lot more for us to learn a thousand years ten thousand years a hundred thousand years i think we'll still be learning about the world we live in yeah
2: yeah well that's what puts us in such a great position and as you pointed out earlier in the conversation with the internet sort of giving us the ability to see this wide data set and make the accurate you know corrections and patterns to the way we see the world you know To precisely see it all laid out. I think that's what is so great about books like the ones you write, podcasts like this one, and the amazing audience that engages with the things we create, whether it's a book or a podcast, because they too are pushing this forward. They're telling their friends, they're getting these ideas out in the collective Mm -hmm. consciousness. And I think that's going to break way to eventually a a larger, greater understanding of, of these things. But
0: You know, given let me give one piece of advice to people, if I might, please. For anybody exploring unusual subjects, whether it's the paranormal or ancient archaeology or whatever, look for patterns. If you find patterns in the subject you're studying, then there's probably something to it. Patterns are an important thing that we can determine with our consciousness. Finding a pattern in a subject leads to unusual and innovative conclusions. So look for patterns.
2: Well said. Yeah. And speaking of patterns, at the end of your encyclopedia here, you have a really awesome map that I'm going to share on the screen for the audience in post. So you guys won't be able to see it now, but the audience should be seeing it right now. And I'm just stunned at the super concentration of (laughs) giant skeletons found in the area between the Great Lakes and the East Coast. I mean, it's so big, you can't see any land. You know, there's all these little icons you have here. Uh, Mm -hmm. How many do you think have been found in total? Do you have a number on that of how many maybe just... I don't have a count exactly, but it must be hundreds. Right. Well, yeah, this map, I mean, there's all the way from the bay of fundy to the gulf of california and everywhere in between i mean it's mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible but folks uh check out this book and many others you could spend a whole lifetime reading marty's work but i would recommend yeah can s- i
0: mention my website please yeah please please yeah my website is mkeddingtonbooks.com spelled dot s.com And on the homepage, I have a series of categories of books that you can look at. Everything from ancient history books, to legendary beings, to the paranormal, to aliens and UFOs. And within each of those categories, there are pages that show the different books. And that leads you then, through clicking on the cover, to a page on each book. So for each book, I've got a video about the book, an explanation, the table of contents, and where you can buy it. In. And I sell my books in printed, ebook, and audiobook forms. And that's my little business. I love and, that. And uh, I think I've got probably the broadest selection of weird and unusual topics <laughs> that any one person has. Oh. And I'd like to think they're all re- well thought out. I'd like to think that my engineering technical background gives me a unique point of view on a lot of these subjects. And so I try to make weird subjects more intelligible uh, to the average reader than they might find other places. So that's my thing. That's my gift. I
1: just want to say your fascination, your passion, and your hard work into writing over the past, you said your first book was in 2000, so 24 years about. Is amazing. Thank you. Cause it gives, Well,
0: thank you very much for saying that.
1: Of course, brother. And you know, I'm sure this won't be the last time we speak, right? It sure wasn't the first for me and you're, but what caught me, what caught my eye for the original time was the art on the book of the Druids. I just loved the color scheme that you put there. And so, (laughs) you know, you obviously have an eye for it and, you know, it was really great speaking with you, you know, who knew where this conversation was going to go. Uh, we had questions and I had notes lined up, didn't touch on any of them. So. All right. Well, we should talk news. again.
2: I'd love to. Yeah, Marty, it's yeah, been brother. great. I'd love to have you on my own show. Cause again, you've, you touched on so many topics so we could do a whole nother series of episodes on a bunch of other stuff. So look forward to an email from me, Roman. You're the man. This episode was great. I'm sorry. I probably talked, uh, too much and didn't let you get your notes in there but that's right we'll touch on that in the outro and marty thank you so much for your time we appreciate you again tell us your website one last time for the audience and we'll let you
0: go okay spelled dot s.com and thank you very much guys i enjoyed talking to both of you very much mark and roman
2: thank you yeah we did Cheers. as well the pleasure is ours and with that folks Happy trails out there exploring this esoteric America. We'll catch you next time. All right. Roman. Wow. Here we are. Show. Now, I got to say, just thoughts on the conversation I liked it i think it went well i think the way we structured it worked out well um i was a little less prepared than i'd like to be just being honest but but that's okay i think we could have marty back on our show or my show your show esoteric america anytime he's great so check out his website folks the link is in the description There was a few points where I feel like I lost the plot, though. Do you remember (laughs) that
1: part? Lost the plot or the iron pot?
2: I was trying to bring something up that went along the lines of, like, uh, humans being in North America prior to Columbus, and he was like, yeah, but not 500 million years before Columbus. (laughs) So he seemed to entertain the whole Atlantis thing to a point, but he did mention the land bridge thing, which made me think like, Oh, maybe he's not familiar,
1: but I got to not be so obsessed with my own personal. But then he talks about portals, ancient dimensions and the Tuatha de Danan. Right. So, you know, I mean like the guy's work is vast. And so this happened when we talked to him on. That's why I thought of RFTA. You got to kind of like, He's got so much work, right? You got to like, kind of like touch on all these bases and then show him the information again. So that's why he has all his books on hand. He looks them up and says, oh yeah, that's right. Let me touch on this. Like there's a couple times when, you know, we're like, hey, tell us about this artifact. And he's like, well, I wrote about it. You know, I honestly don't know too much further than what's there stated right there because I wrote about this many artifacts. There's so many, um, not to say he doesn't, know about them but you know like he would it's like if we were to hit him up again we could say like hey we want to talk to you about this and this and give him like you know however long time in advance and then he would do further up research and and you know as opposed to we were kind of on the whim going through chronologically his uparts book which is great i mean like we could do that that would be a three or four hour episode going through each of those artifacts but no, I think your plot was on point, dog. Like you know, I we did a great job. Specifically, me. You know, I can't really say so much for you, but I know I did a great job. You know, I'm out here killing it, crushing the game. You know, <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, you held it down. I said maybe a cumulative of five words the entire time. So, I had a no. great time, dude. That was amazing.
2: It's like our audience. Oh, oh, all right. I agree. And, uh, we got to wrap this outro up, but look forward, Hi, brother. look forward to another episode of Esoteric America very soon, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And you heard the intro hit us up at Esoteric podcast at com, and we will see you on the show until next time. Happy trails out there exploring this Esoteric America.